The purpose of this program is not to prescribe a treatment to individuals. Listeners should consult their healthcare practitioner before attempting any treatment. Good morning and welcome to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naiman, your host. Rosemary Gladstar is one of our most respected and renowned herbal teachers and practitioners with more than 35 years of experience working with herbs. She's the director of the International Herb Symposium and the annual Women's Herbal Conference, and she's the co-founder of Traditional Medicinal Tea Company and founding president of the nonprofit United Plant Savers. Rosemary Gladstar is here today to talk about her new book, Herbs for Stress and Anxiety, How to Make and Use Herbal Remedies to Strengthen the Nervous System. Welcome back to Health Watch, Rosemary Gladstar. Hi, David. How nice to, to talk to you. It's been such a while. Yeah, it's great having you back. Yeah, thank so, you. So at the beginning of, of Herbs for Stress and Anxiety, you say that the natural response to being overloaded with activity and obligation is stress and anxiety. Can, can you elaborate a little bit about that? Well, I think that it's, it part is because we're so overloaded anyway, even when it's not stressful, when, even when we're just actively doing all the things that we do today. We're just, there's so much more going on in our daily environments because of um, all the wonderful things that we've created, like emails and telephones and TVs and DVDs, and, but in a short period of time, it's really um, kind of overloaded or overworked our nervous systems. And so I think if it had happened in a much longer time, the way evolutionary process has in the past, that we would have da- adapted better. But even under the best situation, people just seem to um, you know, get overstimulated. And, and when we get overstimulated, we get anxious and we get stressed and we see the huge amount of stress-related disorders that are just kind of overwhelming. And, what, and, is, and there's a difference between stress and anxiety as a natural response and stress and, and anxiety that becomes something chronic and, and ongoing. Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, occasionally we all experience stress and occasionally we all experience anxiety. But for a lot of people, that's a chronic sense. You know, it's, and a lot of times people don't even identified as chronic stress and anxiety. So in, in, in your new book, you, you talk about the importance of, of strengthening the nervous system. And that's not a concept that, is, is, that exists in conventional medicine, the idea that we need to build and strengthen our nervous system. So can you talk a little bit about that concept and also how you perceive the nervous system and its role with regards to these conditions? Thank you, yeah. Well, I mean, I, first of all, I think that that's the most powerful aspect of herbalism is the herbs and herbal medicine, as we use it, can be powerful curatives for certain. Um, but I think that their far greater place is as preventatives, as just kind of part of our daily lives is how they used to be and how they were used by, you know, civilizations for centuries was to feed and nourish our bodies. And as preventative because they're extremely concentrated in nutrients that just seem to spark and build our own creative forces. So, I mean, as an herbalist, when I look at herbs, this is one of the areas that I focus on the most, is how to prevent things from happening, like how we create lifestyle changes and how we bring plants and um, other 
really positive things into our lives that help us to keep from getting ill. And, of course, it doesn't always work 100%, but that ability to, to be stronger and to feel stronger and to live with a more sense of, ba- with a sense of balance um, is a place where I think herbalism can play a really greater role. And then how I perceive the nervous system, I mean, I don't really perceive it as so much in the medical sense. I mean, I think that that is, you know, that has to be taken into account for certain. But I see it more as um, our entire response to the world around us and how we interpret that, how we respond to that. Um, it's, it's more of a, certainly it's our nervous systems and our neurons and those billions of cells in our brains and all of that, but it's more about our ability to receive and perceive and react and respond to the environment both externally and internally at any given moment. And, uh, you know, the place that herbs and lifestyle plays is that the more grounded that we are, the more we're able to respond in that way in a more balanced and centered way. Um, so, yeah, does that explain it well? I think that's pretty good. And, and uh, one of the things that I really loved about this book was you, you were describing, like you just did, about how the nervous system is sort of our coordinator of our lives and our bodies, but also in a way it's, it's sort of this mysterious final frontier for, for science as well, because it's an interface between how our body functions and our own consciousness. It's not something that maybe we will ever fully grasp. Well, I don't think we'll grasp it until we fully grasp what spirit is, you know, because it, it's that idea that, you know, we are studying the body in ways that we never have before. It's, you know, kind of in leaps and bounds. And we understand a lot of the physicality of how the body, even how the brain works. Like in our lifetime, the understanding of how the brain works has been, you know, just extensive. It's been amazing. But we still, even with that, unless you take into some kind of spirit or maybe you could call it quantum physics, something beyond um, the actual physical, we don't really understand how we breathe life, you know, creative energy, life force, into that nervous system. And so it does take us into that place of understanding our responses um, through more of a spirit way. <laughs> through, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely more than physical because no matter how much you study neurons and, you know, the brain and all of that, it really doesn't account for how this creative force that we as humans are um, that really make us life, um, which is held in that nervous system that amazing system that fluctuates through every part of our body, we, don't, we can't really even begin to account for it. It is, it is miraculous, actually. And when I teach, when I'm teaching my beginner herb students, to me this is the most complex system, really. But I always start here because I always feel like, I always say to my students, if you know, do nothing else, if you know nothing else to help somebody, you can always offer something, when it, an herb tea, even the most gentle herb tea that, if, that will affect the nervous system and therefore affects everything, the way we feel physically, the way we feel emotionally. It has this tremendous impact on every, you know, everything that we do. In case you just tuned in, we're talking today to herbalist Rosemary Gladstar about her latest book, Herbs for Stress and Anxiety. Uh, Rosemary, before we get into some of the, uh, I'm sure we have listeners who are anxious to hear what are some of these uh, herbs that they can do or make at home and, and use both preventatively and to manage symptoms. But before we go there, let's talk just briefly about why you think that going 
purely the conventional route, say managing symptoms with pharmaceuticals, is the wrong way to approach this scenario? Well, I think that in, you know, first of all, I want to clarify that I think in emergency situations or life-threatening situations, for instance, somebody who has depression so severe that their own life is in danger, that pharmaceuticals are a good choice. Um, and maybe not a long-term choice, but they're pretty remarkable for, um, you know, life-threatening situations like that. But for long-term management, I don't think they do, I hate to say this, I don't think that they're effective because they never really reach down to what the cause are. Almost all pharmaceuticals are designed to block nerve responses. Um, and so you don't feel the pain. You don't get to where the troubles are. And, you know, anybody who's involved in any kind of natural healing, um, whether they're, it's conventional natural healing or herbal healing or what, or, you know, what all the various practices recognizes that you have to get to the core problem if you really want to correct the imbalance. When you're talking about something that has such influence on our emotional and physical being as the nervous system, if you're not addressing what that underlying, kind of what I call the, the fire under the smoke alarm, you could put the smoke alarm out with pharmaceuticals and even strong herbs. We have some pretty strong herbs that can, they don't work quite as strong or quite the same as pharmaceuticals, but you can, you know, you can dull that pain enough that you don't, uh, you don't want to, you don't get down to the underlying problem. But in the nervous system, to not reach for what that problem is, which is basically what the call is, the call is there's an, a very, there's a nerve that's being inflamed, something down there that's really bothering us physiologically or emotionally or spiritually. And this is our call to attention. So this is a place where herbs and other lifestyle changes also can really, you know, address those problems. And for me, and I've noticed this, you know, in the last 40 years that I've been working as an herbalist, is that when you really address that with the nervous system, it just increases the quality of life on every level. I mean, I say it in my own life. I always use myself as an example. You know, I'm busy. I have a lot that goes on every day and in my life, both with my work, my family, my clients, you know, everything that I do. And when I remember to take care of this primary system, and, of course, all the systems, there's sort of crazy to talk about one system and not another, but when I'm really addressing my nervous um, health, my, my nervous system health, it really, I mean, I can feel the difference in everything that I do. And so I, I just, I know that difference personally. So it's for the quality of, of our whole lives. And when you're blocking that for any length of time, I think short periods of time, it's like anything. There are times when you need to put a bandage on something. But to do that long period is, you know, really, it's, a, it's not addressing what often are major problems in our lives. And generally speaking, Rosemary, do you think it's uh, okay for people who are listening who are on pharmaceuticals, who are managing their stress and anxiety that way, to, to do both at the same time, do the herbs, the pharmaceuticals, and the, and the lifestyle changes? <laughs> oh, that's such a good question. Um, well, I think it all depends on the pharmaceutical, the individual, and the herbs, actually. Personally, I've, there is so much warning about using herbs with pharmaceuticals, and I think that because... This science itself is new. You know, the science of combining pharmaceuticals and herbs is new, and people tend to be cautious about it because you're working with two very different systems. They're not, I don't really find, I think they're both amazing systems, and they both can work very complementary together, but I don't think that they overlap on one another easily. 
So I think they can be used well together. My personal experience is, is that most of the plants, especially those that are nourishing to the nervous system, that, are, that serve more as foods and as drug-like in their action, are wonderful to use with pharmaceuticals. And I, I have to clarify that to say that, you know, if people are on pharmaceuticals for life-saving situations, they should consult with a holistic practitioner. Usually the suggestion is to, you know, consult with their doctor, but unless their doctor is really informed about medicinal herbs, they're not going to be able to give them good advice because they're not trained in it. So you have, I think it's better to consult with a naturopath or a clinical herbalist who does have a background in pharmaceutical drugs, etc. We're back with Rosemary Gladstar, the author of Herbs for Stress and Anxiety, How to Make and Use Herbal Remedies to Strengthen the Nervous System. So, Rosemary, let's start with anxiety. What are some of your favorite herbs, and and how would someone start with preparing them? Well, one of my favorite is kava. I love kava for anxiety and for general stress as well. I think it's an herb for our times. I know it's had some bad press. Um, It's actually been the government was trying to recall it because supposedly, and this is true actually, in large amounts it can be used abusively, like people can get kind of drug-like reactions, kind of if you take a lot of it um, over a short period of time, and we're talking about, you know, high dosages of it, it can uh, relax the muscles to such a degree that you get wobbly legs and you can walk kind of like you're drunk. So um, there have been reports of people who have been, driving after kava parties and being pulled over and, you know, being accused of being drunk, but there's no alcohol in their body. But I look at that as abusive use of a very powerful, wonderful, wonderful medicinal plant. And used appropriately, you know, with appropriate dosaging, there's absolutely no harm to it. It has a long history of being used um, in traditional ways. It was said to bring love to the heart. When you drink kava, there can be no stress, you know, no anger. It just makes people feel peaceful. And it's actually still used like that in Polynesian cultures or in Hawaii. If you ever have the opportunity when you travel to Hawaii, they still do these, the elders there and the Hawaiian people still do these beautiful kava ceremonies. But kava has a way of just relaxing the whole body. It sort of uh, makes your mind very alert, but your body really relaxed. Um, It's very specific for anxiety and can be very calming. Um, and it's good for panic attacks too, isn't it? Yeah, very, very good for uh, panic attacks and agoraphobia reactions. Um, and just simply, you know, using it like um, when you travel, if you get really stressed out about airplanes, or for me, like when I public speak, I take a little bit of kava and it's extremely relaxing. <laughs> so um, it can be used uh, as a tincture. Um, it's effective as tea. One of my favorite ways of using it is actually make a, a chai with it, like a a warm, spicy blend, and I put a lot of kava in that. So it's, you know, very nice. And it, it usually um, is recommended, and I think this is true, it's stronger if when you're making it there, you have some oil component because the cavalactones break down better when there's oil um, in it. So it's sometimes I, I almost always use coconut milk. Some of the best tinctures have a little bit of coconut oil that's added to it um, to help you know, to help it so that it's more absorbable. So you can use it as capsules, as tincture, or as tea. Um, you can buy the powder and mix that into, like, nut butter balls, like make it, which also has a lot of fat in it, so it, it makes it more absorbable. So there's many different recipes for using it. It's most commonly taken as a tincture. Um, and I, I think Portland might even have a kava restaurant, so <laughs> there might be a way for people to go and, and try it in that context as well. Yeah. 
But uh, what are some of the other herbs? Um, I know that we, you talk also about adaptogens, not sp- not just for anxiety, but for for preventative for stress, and that's another concept that that isn't really. Um, pursued in conventional medicine, these tonic herbs that help the adrenal glands to become stronger and our resilience to stress to become better. Yeah, it's very true, David. Like in traditional Chinese medicine, these adaptogenic herbs or tonic herbs, as they're called, are are considered superior medicine. Like they're the highest form of medicine because if used on a regular basis, they tend to, you know, prevent you from breaking down, getting sick, you know, being vulnerable to a lot of the stress and anxiety. And, and I think really in our, in our world, in the, in the United States today, they're the most important group of herbs. Um, and, they, and they generally are considered safe to use. I mean, that's actually one of the definitions of them, one of the, one of the defining factors of an adaptogenic that is meant to be used over a period of time and is generally considered safe. Um, and and I've found that these herbs are generally safe to use with the pharmaceuticals. Again, you should reference your naturopath or books. David Winston and Stephen Mimes wrote a fabulous book on adaptogens, uh, which is called Adaptogens, actually, and that's a great reference. So some of the herbs in that group that are specific, any of those herbs can be used, any of the many herbs that are classified as adaptogens. But some of the ones that are specific are, is ashwagandha, which actually would grow readily in Portland and, and throughout Oregon. It's an herb that is um, in tradi- very familiar in traditional Ayurvedic medicine and is one of the main herbs in Ayurvedic medicine for strengthening the nervous system and um, used for stress and anxiety. And it's wonderful to take for people who get, excuse me, so anxious that they have difficulty sleeping, um, sleeping soundly, you know, dreaming. It's wonderful to take in the evening. In fact, it's a classic drink. It's probably drank by millions of people every evening. It's, the powder is mixed with warm milk. You can use rice milk or, uh, you know, all the variations, almond milk or cow's milk, whatever you want, warmed up, and then you add a little cinnamon and honey to that, and it makes a wonderful, wonderful evening tonic that's deeply settling. Just, um, that sounds great. Yeah, it's a really great one for that. And then, um, so ashwagandha is really good, and... It's also very good for people who have stress and anxiety, and it centers in the reproductive organs, so they have a lot of um, anxiety and erectile dysfunction, and ashwagandha is one of those herbs that's specifically used for that, for that purpose as well. And do you have any preference on ginsengs? I know that obviously in China that in Korea those are considered the yeah. emperor herbs for this category. Yeah, and they, I, I really think they are. You know, I think a lot of the data about ginseng is correct if you get good quality ginseng and you get ginseng there's so many different varieties and if you use ginseng that matches your constitution so and that takes you know that's not an easy discussion because there are so many ginsengs but generally the ginseng that i do recommend the most often because it's inexpensive and because it works very much like panax is the um is the eleutherococcus um the siberian the siberian ginseng yeah i still call it that you're you're legally not supposed to call it that or I shouldn't say legally. Um, in the business world, they don't like you to call it that. But it's, it's a cousin of ginseng, and it grows. It's prolific. It grows readily in cold-weather climates. We actually can grow it here in Vermont quite well. <laughs> have a big shrub of it here. So it grows easily. Um, it's common. It, 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 um, it covers vast regions of Siberia. Um, and the root, has, the root actually is the herb that was tested 
um, and was defined an adaptogenic. That term adaptogenic came from the studies and the research done on Siberian ginseng. Uh, Rosemary, we only have a couple minutes left, but maybe we could just touch a little bit on depression. So it's a very multifactorial thing. So obviously, I, I don't think we could zero in necessarily on one or two herbs that are going to help everybody. But what are some of the ones that you, you look to and, and what is your thinking process around it? Right. One of my very favorite herbs is hawthorn because so often depression has to do with loss or grief. And hawthorn is, we usually think of hawthorn as strengthening to the heart and it's often indicated for people who have heart issues. Um, and generally thinking of the physical heart issues, but I really find it's very emotionally bracing. And um, I oftentimes mix it with a little St. John's wort. St. John's wort has a huge reputation for depression, but quite, and I like it. I find it useful for depression, but I find that it's generally effective mostly for a kind of light depression, maybe depression where there's lack of light in people's life. It can be seasonal, you know, sad, seasonal light defective disorder. Um, the depths of winter when people are feeling a little gray. But for really deep-seated depression, I don't, I don't find it as effective unless it's mixed and blended with other herbs. So I often mix it with a hawthorn and also with lemon balm. Lemon balm is another herb that I find very uplifting to the spirits. It, um, rather than dealing with the depression, it seems to lift up uh, feelings and emotions. And so I oftentimes will blend those three together and if there's debilitation, if somebody's just worn out and tired, I oftentimes will include milky oats in that formula. So um, those are the primary ones I really love. for, And I use them often together and sometimes will, you know, depending on what might be the source of that depression, oftentimes it's identifiable. People get depressed sometimes because of a lot of loss, loss of a job, loss of a loved one. And sometimes it's not real definable, you know, so then using an herb like, um, you know, just that blend, but lemon balm, hawthorn, St. John's wort with milky oats in it. And oftentimes I actually put hibiscus. Hibiscus isn't generally considered, like you'll never read, I don't think, in herb books that hibiscus is related to depression or is an herb that's used. But again, I find herbs that are uplifting to the spirits. Oftentimes flowers, even though flowers, um, there are some flowers, like roses are often associated with the nervous system and depression. But on the deepest level, flowers have a way of lifting up spirit. So oftentimes when I make even heavy, strong medicinal blends where I want to put lightness in, I want to lift up, I'll put flowers like the blue malva or the roses, um, you know, just, uh, violet flowers. And borage flowers is another herb. Borage, the herb borage is another herb that's very good for depressive states. It doesn't get a lot of... Um, uh, press right now, you know, herbs run in and out of popularity, but Rosemary, it was, it was oh. a pleasure having you on today again, and yeah. I'm sorry we don't have more time, but do you have a website you could briefly mention? I do, it's um, www.sagemountain.com Great, well it was great having you on Health Watch again today Thank you, David, it's great to talk to you We were talking today with Rosemary Gladstar about her newest book, Herbs for Stress and Anxiety, How to Make and Use Herbal Remedies to Strengthen the Nervous System, which I believe is available at the $60 pledge. Stay tuned for the rest of the Monday Morning Radio Zine. I think next up is Madness Radio. 